You've probably seen depictions of angels in popular TV shows and movies, and you've read about angel encounters. But really, most of these accounts often have little in common with the Bible's portrayal of angels. How can you tell what is real and what isn't? How can you separate fact from fiction? Join us today as we journey through God's Word and learn who angels are, what they're like, and how they are involved in your life today. My guest is Dr. Ron Rhodes, president of Reasoning from the Scriptures and author of The Secret Life of Angels. We'll talk about this book today on Family Shield. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, uh, Dr. Rhodes. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Oh, it's always my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I love the book. Uh, this is the second you wrote uh, Angels Among Us uh, some years ago, and this is kind of a revised version. Is that correct? Well, that's right. You know, since the time I wrote my book, there's been a number of other books written, particularly by those who are in the New Age movement or what they call the new spirituality today. And as you know, Kay, a lot of those books are kind of off the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so what I wanted to do was to update my book to have the latest information on what some of the false ideas are out there. But like my previous edition, the main thing about my book is that it's biblical, Mm -hmm. because the Bible is the only reliable source that we have about angels and what they do. That's good. That's good. One of the things that I really enjoyed is reading some of the stories, Angels in the World Today, that you shared and um, I, I I would love for you to just share one or two of those. And these are stories that we believe really were angels. We don't know for sure, but um, but they don't have anything that's not biblical in them. Is that correct? Well, that's correct. In fact, there was a situation that happened at my church with a woman named Sally, and this is kind of an interesting thing that developed because. She went in to see our pastor because of some difficulty that she was having emotionally because she found out from her doctor that she was going to have a Down syndrome baby. Mm. She was upset about that because she had heard about some of the difficulties that Down syndrome children have. And Pastor Dave really helped her a lot. He shared with, with her that God was going to bless her in ways that she couldn't possibly even fathom. And after Sally went home, Pastor Dave decided to write a postcard with a word of encouragement. And on the card, Pastor Dave assured them that God loved them and would take care of them and would really bless them through their soon-to-be-born little baby. Well, as it happened, the postcard got misdelivered. It got delivered to the wrong address. Now, you can understand how that can happen today, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, that happens all the time. All the time. But what's interesting is that uh, Sue, who lived at the house that the card was mistakenly delivered to, decided to take the postcard over to Sally's house personally. And when Sally opened the door, Sue said, this card from your pastor was delivered to my house by mistake. I wanted to come by and deliver the card personally because I, too, have a child with Down syndrome, and I want to help you through this if you'll let me. God has shown me so much that I would like to share with you. Now, okay, my, 
my feeling is, I wonder if the angels mm. were involved in misdirecting that mail mm. on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, God could have sovereignly done it himself, but we often see God working through the angels on this earth. And so I see the fingerprints of the supernatural all over this. And, you know, that's just one example that's happened in my own life. Uh, Certainly there have been many, many other examples that we've read about that have the ring of credibility. You know, I think about Reverend Patton, for example, who was on the missionary field, and he was surrounded by hostile natives one night. They were getting ready to attack, and right as they were getting ready to attack, suddenly they just turn around and ran, and they just took off. Well, about a year later, the chief of that tribe became a Christian, and so uh, this missionary Patton asked him, why did you guys take off and and not come and attack like you were obviously intending to? And what was interesting is that the chief told Patton that he and his warriors had seen hundreds of men Mm -hmm. standing guard outside the headquarters that night, all dressed in shining garments with swords drawn. Mm Now, of course, the Patents had no idea about that, but you know what sounds amazingly like the biblical account Mm -hmm. in 2 Kings 6, where the angels were surrounding Elijah, protecting him. Oh, sure. You know, when I heard or when I read that story, I've heard that story many times over the years, um, and I didn't know it was, I thought the person that was telling me, you know, had heard it themselves, and maybe they had, but I guess it's, it's been passed along. And it is true that God can send his angels, and that according to Scripture, at times, they can be seen. But most of the time, they're invisible, correct? That's right. They are um, ministering spirits. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. They're ministering spirits. And as you know, spirits are invisible. You can't see them. But, uh, you know, the thing that we learn from that is that most of the activities that the angels are engaged in, even activities on our behalf, most of the time it's behind the scenes, and, and we can't tell that they're doing it. But, you know, I've always wondered about something, Kay. Uh, you know, when we get to heaven, and we can actually engage in conversations with the angels at that time, I wonder if an angel might come up to me mm-hmm. or to you or to someone else we know and say, do you remember that time when a rescue seemed to come out of nowhere when you were in such big trouble that time? Well, that rescue was me. You know, I just wonder about that. You just don't know how many times the angels have been involved in watching after you. And I don't think that we're going to know it until we get to heaven. Yes. Well, you talked a little bit about some of the false beliefs and talk, just just share a little bit about some of those. And I know that there's a lot uh, out there that's incorrect. That's one of the reasons we want to help people know what God's Word says about angels and what God's Word doesn't say. Uh, Well, you know, one of the interesting uh, ideas that a lot of these New Age-type books are floating around is that uh, we have different methods of making contact with angels. Mm. I find that interesting because in the Bible, you don't find Christians trying to make contact with angels. Rather, the angels show up unexpectedly. And very often when the angels show up unexpectedly, people get a little bit fearful because they're so glorious. Sure. But uh, some of these New Age books are actually teaching different methods for making contact, and, uh, you know, there's just all kinds of strange ideas out there. There's uh, one book that suggested that we can color-coordinate our wardrobes, because different kinds of angels like different kinds of colors. Oh, my. And so if you wear a shirt that's, uh, that's pink, you'll, you know, you'll attract one kind of angel. If you wear a shirt that's blue, 
You might have another kind of angel. I guess you're safest if you wear one of those Hawaiian shirts that has all the colors, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. But this is just quackery. There's nothing yeah. in the Bible that talks about that. But it's also dangerous, isn't it, Ron, to be trying to because... talk to angels? And I know, you know, that's probably down the line as we talk, but there are good angels and then there are uh, bad angels. Well, and... that's right. And one of the things about the bad angels is that the bad angels can mimic angels of light. Mm-hmm. You know, we read that about Satan. Paul warned the Corinthian church about that. He said, watch out, because Satan can actually come across as a good angel and deceive people. And so I think that's actually what's happening today. You know, another idea that's going around out there is that angels can appear to us, and they can help us come up with our own new, unique religion. Oh, wow. You know, if you don't like the religion you have, well, that's okay. The angels can help you construct one that's custom-made for you. And so that's just another crazy idea. And you know that the good angels would never appear to somebody and say that. Mm-mm. No, it's got the not mark at all. Of demons all over it. Mm, very challenging. Well, we can talk a little bit more about that later. But um, I, I think another thing, and this is not just New Age, this has just been around, and a lot of times it's uh, perpetuated by TV uh programs, movies, and books. But a lot of people believe, and these aren't just New Age people, that you become an angel when you die, or children that die young become angels. That's incorrect. Can you expound on that, please? Well, it is incorrect. Um, In fact, what we read in Colossians 1.16 is that Jesus Christ created the angels all at once. And the angels are defined as principalities and powers and thrones and dominions. And those are just ancient Jewish words that indicate different ranks of angels. Mm. And so they were directly created. Now, as you know, Kay, angels don't propagate. They don't have babies, but rather they were all created all at once. And that's one of the reasons why if you see a picture of a little baby angel, why, that's not too accurate, is it? Because the angels don't give birth to little baby angels. Uh I even told my publisher that, they, you know, they should definitely not put a baby angel on the cover of my book. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Scripture also talks about the reality that uh, when we get to heaven as believers, we're actually going to join the angels in surrounding the throne of Christ, singing praises to his name. We see that in Revelation 4 and 5. We read about the languages of uh, humans versus the language of angels. We read about the food of human beings versus the food of angels. I mean, there's just one distinction after another that is made. Hmm. So when you die, you don't become an angel. Uh, you know, I've often heard that at you know eulogies, yeah. eulogies at funerals, and I would never dare correct anybody at a funeral. No, it wouldn't be the appropriate place. But, but... Uh, you don't become an angel. You're, you're, if you're a Christian... Your spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately after mm-hmm. death, and you're going to be resurrected, and you remain a human, even though you'll be a glorified human. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit more about what angels are like. Uh, you, you touched on rank. There are different classes of angels. I don't know if that's the correct term, Michael, the archangel and Gabriel. Uh, talk a little bit about them first. Well, Michael the archangel is the top angel. Uh, Archangel means first in rank. And so when we read about Michael the Archangel, we're talking about the angel who is, you know, in charge of all the other angels. Now, of course, Michael answers to Christ. Mm -hmm. 
But under Michael, uh, he has authority over all the other angels. And it's interesting because Scripture only speaks of one archangel. I thought there were two. Gabriel isn't an archangel. Well, Gabriel is never defined as an archangel. But you know what's interesting is that he is said to stand right next to God. He is the angel that always stands next to God. And Gabriel is also the angel that gives a lot of the great revelations to human beings Mm -hmm. about the Old Testament and the New Testament. You might remember that Gabriel appeared to Daniel, and then, you know, between five and seven hundred years later, he appeared to, you know, Mary Mm -hmm. about the birth of Jesus. And so, you know, there's been some people who have suggested that that maybe Gabriel is not a high-up angel because he's assigned to be a messenger. Mm-hmm. I think it's the opposite. I think that out of all the angels that God could privilege with going to earth and sharing the good news of the coming Savior, God chose Gabriel. Mm. So I think it was an honor for Gabriel to do that. And another thing we learn about Gabriel is that he flies fast. Yeah. He flies very fast. I'm not sure why Scripture points that out to us, but he can apparently <laughs> just zip around the universe yeah. just like that. And then, of course, under Michael, you've got what's called thrones and dominions and authorities and so forth. And those are just fancy words that indicate that there are different ranks of angels. And what we learn from that, Kay, is that God is a God of order. He is a God of organization. And just like God has set up an authority structure in the church and in the family unit, so there is an authority structure within the angelic realm as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, he is a, a god of order. That's great. Um, well, we talked a little bit about the titles. Let's talk a minute about the angel of the Lord. Well, you know, I think that's a tremendously interesting topic, because we see the ministry of the angel of the Lord all throughout the Old Testament. And it's been suggested by some people that this is just an appearance of God in angelic form, but I get a little bit more specific because I actually think that it's an appearance of Christ, Mm -hmm. a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Now, how do we know that's true? Well, on the one hand, we know that the angel of the Lord is God, and, uh, you know, just one verse that points that out is in Exodus 3, where the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in the burning bush. Ah. And he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You can't get much clearer than that. The angel of the Lord claims to be deity. But the interesting thing, Kay, is that the angel of the Lord is also seen to be distinct from the Lord. For example, we witness the angel of the Lord interceding and praying to the Lord on behalf of God's people in Zechariah 1.12. Does that kind of remind you of Jesus, how he prays for us Mm -hmm. to the Father? Mm -hmm. You know, what we start to see is uh, Trinitarian distinctions in the Old Testament, And then what really kind of nails it down for me is the fact that in the New Testament, we are told that no one has ever seen the Father's form, and we're also told that the Holy Spirit is invisible, Mm -hmm. and no one can see him. It seems to be that Jesus Christ is the one person in the Trinity that makes visible appearances to human beings. And when you look at the ministries of Christ, and you measure those against the ministries of the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you see that they are identical. Mm. They are the same, just right down the line. And so, you know, the short story is simply this. I believe that Christ has been involved from the very beginning. He was not only the creator, you know, under the Father, but at the same time, he was intimately involved with people in Old Testament times, 
through appearances as the angel of the Lord. All right, very good. I'm going to make a few announcements, and we'll keep talking about the secret life of angels, who they are, and how they help us, written by Ron Rhodes. He's my guest. Each week, Family Shield offers a booklet or resource to our listeners. This week, we're offering two booklets. The Truth About Angels are The Great Deceiver, or you can ask for both. To receive the booklet at no charge, call the Response Center, toll-free, 1-877-317-4326. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com slash thriventchoice or call them and ask them to walk you through how to do this, 1-800-847-4836. Remember, you need to contact Thrivent annually to let them know where you want your choice dollars to be donated. And that deadline is March 1st. We encourage you to keep Family Shield Ministries in your prayers. As a listener-supported radio outreach, your prayers and financial support are important. A gift of any amount would be greatly appreciated. You can send letters, comments, or a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. I also want to encourage our listeners to sign up for our email newsletter on the homepage. Just put your email address in. It's very simple. And uh, there on that email newsletter, you'll find out about guests and topics. And we encourage you to put a little blurb in your church bulletin each week so others can hear the Family Shield program. I want to go back again to my guest, Dr. Ron Rhodes, author of The Secret Life of Angels. And right before the break, we were talking about the angel of the Lord. And I agree with you, Ron. I believe it is the pre-incarnate Christ. And there are numerous passages in the Old Testament that talk about people seeing God. And yet the uh, New Testament says no one will see God. So I, too, believe it is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that they saw, not the Heavenly Father and not the Holy Spirit. Um, any other thoughts you have on that? I think you had kind of completed your thoughts. Well, it's a big topic. The only thing but... that I would say to complete my thought, Kay, is that this shows how much Christ cares for his people. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament and then in the New Testament, and even today, you and I have the privilege of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he is our divine shepherd. We are his sheep. And so anybody that hears my voice today can have that personal relationship with the Savior, the same one that appeared all throughout the Old Testament and also became incarnate in the New Testament. All right, good. I think I kind of jumped over. You mentioned it, but I didn't actually ask. People are going to say, how did angels... Uh, come to be? What's the origin of angels? Can you share a little bit more with our listeners about that? Sure. Angels are the result of a direct creative act of God. And I might mention to you, Kay, that this is one of the reasons why many expositors believe that the angels in the book of Job are called sons of God. Hmm. Sons of God with a small s. Not to be confused with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The reason why many expositors think that they are called sons of God is that they were directly created by the hand of God. They don't give birth, and so there's not little baby angels that uh, grow up and then get married and have other angels, but rather they are genderless beings who were all created at one and the same time. 
I don't know if you can imagine what that might have been like for them, Kay, because one moment they didn't exist, and the very next moment their consciousness burst into being, and their first sight was the face of the Creator, Jesus Christ. I mean, that must have been an awesome Mm. moment. Well, I didn't ask this either. How many angels are there? We talked about uh, Michael, the archangel, and Gabriel, and you know some names for others. But do you, do we have any idea? You know, we know that uh, there are so many that we can't count them. There's a number of different ways that they are described. In fact, uh, there are references in the Book of Revelation to ten thousand times ten thousand angels. I was at a conference one, and I asked if anybody knew how much 10,000 times 10,000 was, and somebody said 20,000. No, it's not 20,000. That's actually 100 million. Whoa. And the thing of it is, Kay, 10,000 was the biggest number they knew back then. They knew then. back then, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's the biggest number, the biggest number, and that's how many angels there are. Now, and what we learn from this is that there's plenty of angels to get whatever God wants done, done. Even though he doesn't need their help, He chose to create them, and he has chosen to use them as ministering spirits in our lives. Okay, and so we want to talk about what angels do. I was thinking about Jesus in Gethsemane, though. He said if he wanted to, he could call on, was it seven legions of angels? Well, he could have, you know, but uh, he told them to stand back because he was interested more in the salvation of humankind. Jesus said, Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And you know, a Roman legion had 6,000 soldiers, and so 12 legions of angels would be about 72,000 angels. So Jesus could have just called on them, and you know they would have wiped out the Romans, basically. But no, Jesus was here for a purpose. He was here to die on the cross for the salvation of humankind. And he would not be dissuaded. He would not be distracted from that mission. So what do angels do? We've touched on a few things as we've talked. Obviously, Gabriel communicated things, but uh, tell our listeners more about what angels do. Well, angels do a lot of things. For example, God's angels can act as messengers, and they did this primarily throughout the Old and the New Testament times. Today we have the completed Bible, and so they don't give so much messages today, but Back in biblical times, they appeared quite a bit to give messages. They can act as guardians of God's people. And it's not just one angel that watches after you, but rather there's a multitude of angels that watch after you. And uh, we see this, for example, in Psalm 91. If you make the Most High your dwelling place, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you and no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels, plural, concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Okay, sometimes God uses angels to answer prayer. You might remember when Peter was in jail, Mm -hmm. some of the other believers were praying for Peter, and God sent an angel to break Peter out of jail. Mm -hmm. Angels also escort us at the moment of death directly into the kingdom of God in heaven. And So at the moment that you die and your spirit leaves your body, you can expect to see some angels right next to you who will be your you know, personal escorts directly into the heavenlies. And that's just a couple of examples of what angels, you know, do among uh, Christians. The broad category of angels as ministering spirits indicates that they've got a variety of different ministries that they engage in on our behalf. Hmm. But we just don't know. I mean, it's amazing and it's awesome to read through your book to, to see what 
the Bible really says. It, it. I know at Christmas we hear a lot about angels, but they're throughout Scripture. Now, you mentioned, and I've heard this so many times, that at our death they uh, are there and take us from death to life, which uh, God's Word does say about us dying. But uh, what biblical example is there for that? Well, Luke sixteen twenty two would be one good example. You know, that's a, a verse that talks about uh, how at the moment of death the angels are there to escort ah. you in. Uh, you know, it's interesting that Billy Graham uh, talked about this, and he talked about how we've got these heavenly messengers surrounding us, but we don't necessarily sense their presence. And he talks about how the deer of the forest has a very keen sense of smell, and bats have a built-in radar that they can... You know, they can see things from a long ways away, and, and, and sharks underwater, they've got this keen sense of smell, particularly of blood. The point that he was making is, is, is that we're really limited with our five senses. You know, we, we can't tell everything that's existent out there with our five senses. But he assures us, based upon the Bible, that beyond this world, there is a world of angels. Their spirit beings are invisible, they work behind the scenes. But at the moment of death, like I said, I think you'll actually witness them and see mm-hmm. them as they escort you into heaven. Neat. I always think about that from our son that passed away, um, and he was in hospice, so he was in our home. We didn't hear you know, anything. He wasn't in distress or anything. He just went from this life to the next. And I always think of the angels that probably were there to escort him. And that's comforting for us. It is comforting. Yeah. And- even more comforting when we think about the great reunion we have to look forward to, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, because we will be together with all of our Christian loved ones yes. one day. Yeah. And as one person put it, you know, all the pain and suffering that we went through on this tiny little dot of time on planet Earth will seem like a night in a bad hotel in yeah. comparison with the eternal life that we have in heaven. You bet. We have two minutes left, Ron. Uh, what else do you want to share with our listeners? Well, I think that what I would share with our listeners in the remaining time is that we need to have an attitude in which we anticipate eternity. In other words, we need to have an eternal perspective, or what one of my friends called a top-down perspective, a a perspective that we see planet Earth from the perspective of heaven itself. One of my favorite verses in regard to that is in Colossians 3, which tells us to, to keep our minds focused on the things of heaven. And two of the interesting things about that verse, Kay, are, number one, it's a command. In other words, we don't have an option. God tells us to keep our eyes focused on heaven. Secondly, it's a present tense in the Greek, which indicates continuing action. In other words, every single day, 24-7, we ought to have a heavenly perspective where we keep our eyes focused on eternity. And so the bottom line is, we don't keep our eyes focused on the angels. Mm -hmm. We keep our eyes focused on the creator of the angels and the eternal life that he has given us. That's something to look forward to. Absolutely. Thank you so much. My guest has been Dr. Ron Rhodes. His book, The Secret Life of Angels. To learn more about Family Shield, uh, go to our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. We also have an archive page, so if you missed some of this uh, program, you can uh, let us know and we'll get you how to get to that archive page where our programs are continuing to be listened to. Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. We're so glad you've been listening and God bless your day today. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.